There's a quality in this life that most people never achieve. It is the quality of faithfulness. So let me ask you, are you someone that people can not only count on, but does your life demonstrate faithfulness and devotion to God and to others? Well, that's exactly what we're gonna be talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter four. So get out your Bibles and let's get into it. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you as always. Blessed to be with you guys as we start another chapter in our verse by verse teaching, if you will, Bible teaching. I was going to say expository, but sometimes some people don't know what that is. But this is a verse by verse, just a, a time that we can spend together to study God's word and to stand strong in God's word. Our hope, as you guys know, on this podcast and it's a ministry through Stand Strong Ministries that we are blessed to do in partnership with many Christians just like you around the world who pray for us, who give financial support. They donate to our 501c3, which is tax deductible. So if you are looking to provide um, opportunity uh, for more people just like you and your family to study God's word and to learn God's word, and you want to support a ministry, uh, that does it, man, we would love to partner with you and to let you know that it's it's because of the faithful giving and the generosity of many, many Christians around the world that we're able to produce and put out this podcast every week as we do a chronological study uh, in the Bible. And so if you are joining us for the first time, we have all kinds of other verse-by-verse studies through the Gospels in chronological order uh, the book of Acts, uh, James, Galatians, and now 1 Corinthians. So I look forward to hearing from you. You can reach us at info at standstrongministries.org. You can always check out standstrongministries.org. Articles, videos, books that I've written to help you guys continue to stand strong in your faith. And that is our mission, our goal as we spend time together on this podcast is to help Christians spend time in God's word and not just to read it or glaze over it or take a little verse for you know kind of their appetite power of the day, but to really go deep into scripture verse by verse to understand it in its proper context. And that's what I love doing with each and every one of you guys every week as we study. And so we are now in chapter four. So again, if you've missed out wherever you get your podcast, make sure you guys check those things out, download those things. And also if you love this podcast and it's encouraging you and you're sharing it out there with other friends, man, I appreciate that so much. I want you guys to know that and leave us a review. Let people know about this podcast because that continues to help build um, our outreach so more people just like you can hear this. So let me just say in advance, thank you so much. Now, just to bring us up to speed, and as I was saying in the opening, you know, faithfulness matters. I mean, that's the heart of, of a person's character, can they be counted on? Can they be counted on? Are they reliable? And it's not just that having that dependable car, though. Think about how amazing that is. You know, one of my cars I've been having, I've had for for several years now. Uh, it, you know, it, it's a little you know Hyundai Hyundai Elantra, and you know we've hit over a hundred thousand, and it keeps on going. You know, I don't have no desire to buy another one. I'm thankful for what I have. 
And it's just a dependable car, and I appreciate that. It doesn't have all these bells and whistles like all these other amazing cars do or, the, or cars some of my friends have, and God bless them for that. But it's just a dependable car. You know, when you have those kind of friends who are just dependable or you have that one child who's just, just a reliable person, you can always count on them. They're, you know, it's like they always said about the post office, the rain, sleet, or snow, you know, they're there. Um, that's what we're going to be talking about today as we enter this new chapter. And now to bring us up to speed, this is important because remember in chapter three, they're carnal Christians, they're infants in Christ. And so they need to mature, they need to develop. But jealousy and strife has been among them. They're comparing themselves with Paul and Apollos. But Paul reminded us that it's God who gives the growth. There are people who plant, there are people who water, but it's God who gives the growth. And we are fellow workers. And so these illustrations, and this is important because we're going to be entering a third illustration in verses one and two in chapter four. So we got to remind ourselves, well, what were the other illustrations? Well, he was talking about being a laborer. We're fellow workers. And then being a skilled worker, he talked about. And then he talked about laying that foundation, which is Christ in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 3, and knowing that our foundation needs to be built on gold, silver, precious stones, not wood, hay, and straw, okay? And the day will come when we will be judged. We talked about that. You will receive rewards, my friends, for the faithful service that you have done unto the Lord. Then he transitioned to remind us that not only are we skilled in developing and building up, and that reference there that, that he was referring to, the skilled master builder, is the craftsman that built the actual tabernacle and temple. And then in verse 16 and 17, he then says, you are that temple. So we're not just skilled master builders. We are God's temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. Let that sink in. And then he says, you're not to be deceived by this, my friends. Don't pursue the wisdom of this world. So if you want to be that, that worker in the field, if you want to be that skilled master builder, and then now he's going to be talking about being a servant, being a steward, you need to rely on the Lord, his wisdom. You know, we're told from the Old Testament, and Paul quoted this in verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 3, that it is God who catches the wise in their craftiness. And that the Lord knows, he refers to another passage of scripture, and he knows, he knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So we don't gain anything when we try to do it ourselves. So today, the title is The Quality Most Lack. And what's important for us to understand as we transition into a new chapter is that 1 Corinthians, as we know, it's a trove of wisdom. It, it, it is about him guiding young people in the faith to better understand how to live out their faith. Not as the world says, and to pursue the wisdom of, of the world to apply to your faith which we're seeing a lot in our culture today is counterfactual. And there are people who are nefarious in their attempts to try to deceive and lure people away. In chapter four now, Paul is going to be addressing issues of pride. He's going to be talking about judgment. He's going to be talking about the pursuit of wisdom that we need to have in Christ and examples like Paul. Because when you get into second Corinthians, he really lays it out in chapter four, chapter six, chapter 11, about how his conduct, his faithfulness is a reflection of the character of Christ in that kindness, right? Because he says you are to live out in the kindness of Christ. That's what Paul did. That's why before in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, he says, imitate me for I imitate Christ. 
That's why he says, I'm a father among you, not just another instructor. Because he was teaching them the wisdom of the Lord. And you think about how many people have faithfully delivered the wisdom of God in this world. I mean, it's amazing if you guys can just rattle off tons of people. Because that shows that you are blessed in your sphere of influence to have so many people that you can rely on. Now, I'm not saying in a, in a, with naivety, I'm not saying that you're just gullible. I mean, true. I mean, a lot of my audience that listens in a lot of the family that tunes in brothers and sisters around the world. If you guys are wanting this type of teaching in scripture, verse by verse, I guarantee that you have discernment that you're not going to let some prosperity preacher, some celebrity pastor who is teaching partial truths, but overall they're tainting the gospel. You're not going to buy into that. So if you have people who've been faithful in demonstrating their love for Christ and love for others, praise God. And if you're one of those people as well, man, let me know, share your testimony. I mean, that's powerful. I was just doing the other night uh, with my family, we're reading a portion of Second Corinthians because we're going a chronological reading in the in the New Testament using the Chronological Study Bible, New Living Translation, which I love, by the way. And something just struck me with Paul, and I wanted to share with my family. And through that, I said, "Hey, what are things you are good at? We don't boast in those things. We don't say they just came from us. We know we can't. It came from the Lord, so we boast in the Lord." But it's good to affirm that and to know that, so that way, when you see an injustice or when you are when you see something that could be fixed and you have the giftedness and the ability to do it and God's calling you to do it, don't shy away and think, oh, I'm just, I don't want to be prideful. It's not being prideful. When you know it's God who gets the credit and you're being, you know, again, his hands and feet, that's, that's what God engineered. So that's exactly where we're going to be talking about when it comes to the faithfulness of a Christian and the quality that most people lack is faithfulness. And that applies to discipline and endurance, all sorts of things. So right off the bat, as we transition now into this chapter, notice he says, this is how one should regard us. I love that phrase because after everything he just said, if you go, if you jump back to verse 22 in the previous chapter, he says, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter, that is Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. This is how one should regard us. So he's saying all belongs to the Lord. We are the temple of God where the Holy Spirit dwells. So this is how people should regard us. This is how people should see us. They should see us as faithful people. Catch this, he says, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Now in verse two, he goes on to say, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Now, that's all we're going to be looking at in today's podcast because there is a lot here. And I've debated about making this literally into three parts. And so I kind of stopped my study and said, we're, we're just going to emphasize some key elements here um, so that I don't just stretch this sucker out too much. Some of you guys are thinking, man, that would have been awesome. And believe me, when I was studying it, it just was very convicting. It was very powerful what I was learning in scripture as I was studying this particular passage about being faithful and realizing that this is certainly a quality um, that most people lack because it, it's, a, it's a lifetime at trying to accomplish this and perfecting it, knowing that we never will, but we strive to be more faithful. A lot of times people say, yeah, I, I want to be more patient. I want to be more understanding. Great. In the proper context with that conviction of the Holy Spirit, go for it. 
But what if we were to kind of angle it differently and say in our walk with God, in our love and relationships with others, Lord, help me to be more faithful in what you've called me to do for your honor and for your glory because I count it a privilege and I'm unworthy. And then help me to love and care for the people in my life and to be more faithful in their lives. So in verses one through 13, in this chapter, what Paul's gonna be doing here to give you guys a heads up is he's gonna clarify a few things about how leaders, they need to do a better job. They're called to manage the affairs of people. Now, in leadership, and one thing being a leader in uh, the local church for, for most of my ministerial career, and now coming in locking arms with a lot of parachurch organizations and being around a lot of their presidents and their CEOs and you know, a lot of different uh, uh, businesses, you know, in the publishing world. I mean, you name it, in, in marketing, in publicity, uh, radio stuff. So blessed to be able to to interact and, and again, be friends with a lot of people who hold very prominent positions and I believe are doing a great service to the church and to people. And they're very faithful. And one of the things that we all talk about in our discussions, whether it's over a meal or after we record something or whatever the case may be, they say one of the things that's very challenging, and I certainly feel the same, is it's hard to manage people because they have different backgrounds, different ages, different approaches, different personalities. And so to try to get everybody moving in the right direction and utilizing them to be a part of a team, to be one, to be a unified front, it takes a very faithful leader to be able to do that. And so that's exactly what Paul is going to be talking about here, about the managing of the affairs of God. Now, once more, if you notice, Paul is emphasizing that he and his fellow apostles, they're not celebrities. That's what he's going to be emphasizing. They're, they're not leaders that need to be, that we need to be idolizing. I mean, you think about the atrocity of how we have now measured and look to people who are preaching the word of God to us and how we look at them to the, to the level of King Charles in, in England or uh, Taylor Swift or Justin Bieber. You, I mean, name whatever celebrity, whether it's a Hollywood person, a Netflix star, YouTube star, whatever. And that's what we've kind of done. And, and Paul clearly rebukes that. And, and how he does it is he refers to them as servants who have been entrusted with the mysteries of God. Now that refers to the hidden truths uh, in the revelations about the gospel that became uh, more clearer through the teaching of Paul in his apostolic ministry. So let's, let's break this apart, shall we? And first identify as he says, this is how one should regard us. So this is how people should look at you, my friends. They should see this quality in your life. And that is a servant of Christ. And not only that, but as a steward of the mysteries of God, because think about it, you're not an apostle. I'm not an apostle. These are revelations that the Holy Spirit gave Paul to give to the church that we are now teaching from and living out. But there are countless people in our life who are biblically illiterate, just like in 1 Corinthians 3, they don't know any different. 
And our job as a faithful, reliable person, servant, is to convey, to reveal to people who maybe have been blinded because the God of this age has blinded them. Um, they have bought into a counterfeit or fictitious gospel presentation, whatever the case may be, where they have never been raised to to know about Jesus or the gospel. And so you come alongside of them and you and you reveal these hidden truths, okay? And so a servant, according to John MacArthur, he says the word literally means an under rower. Uh, what that means is it's the lowest, most menial and most despised galley slaves who rode on the bottom tier of a ship. That's significant if you think about that. This, this reference to a servant, according to Paul, is the lowest servant who rows the ship on the bottom tier. I mean, that puts things in perspective. Matter of fact, the same language is used in chapter 9 in verse 16, for he says, For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, meaning... I am tasked to row this ship. I am nothing to look at. I'm not impressive. It's not about me. Uh, you see this in Acts 20 verse 19 as well. And so Paul, what he does is he uses a Greek word here, hyperitas, and he uses it in the plural because he's not just referring to himself. He says, this is how people should regard me. I'm a servant of Christ. I'm a steward of the mysteries of God. He doesn't do that. He uses it in the plural because what he's doing is saying we're all as, as ministers, so he takes this under rower, which is the, the lowest despised slave at the bottom of a ship rowing the ship, and he says, you are a servant of Christ who is a, a minister. So what we're doing, we're not rowing a ship, but we are a minister who's called to teach, to exhort, and to care for people. J.B. Lightfoot says this, quote, this verse is a reiteration of the meaning of the apostle's office, not only as a steward, but as a servant. That is, not only as one set over others, but as one employed for others. Isn't that amazing? Let me, let me say that again. Not only as a steward, but as a servant. That is, not only as one set over others, but as one employed for others. My friends, if I may say this, and I say this in all due respect for people who hold the high office of not just a minister of a gospel, but someone who's called to shepherd the flock among them, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and 4, chapter 5, verse 1 and 4, is that you're, you're not set over people, but you're employed to be a service for others. In essence, you work for them. And one thing that I say repeatedly in environments where I'm privileged, you know, invited to come speak, whether it's a, a message from scripture directly that I give a sermon or I'm giving a lecture on a particular topic, you know, that has a biblical worldview context with it, or I'm giving teachings or lectures from books I've written is I am a servant who's here to minister to people. I am here for them. My time is their time. And that's what, what Paul was conveying, remember, in the previous chapter, in chapter 3, verse 5, he says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? 
servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Nothing impressive from the person who's delivering the message. The role of a servant, my friends, requires humility. It requires faithfulness. But he doesn't stop there. He says, this is how people should regard all of us. We are these servants of Christ where we're ministers. We have this lowly role. That does not mean that it, we're diminished and we're nobodies. But in the context of the one who calls us, yes, we're skilled master builders. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But we should, be, we should feel unworthy for the calling that God has given each one of us. And we should take it more seriously. That's what faithfulness is about. When you take things more seriously, you're going to be more diligent to grow and to develop the skill and the discernment and the ability to lead people the way they need to be led. So a, so a servant of Christ, but also a steward. Now this refers to a high level servant now. So he uses this lowly servant, an idea of rowing a ship. And then he says, but we're also stewards of the mysteries of God. This is a high level servant that's in charge of watching over and managing the estate of their master. So this is amazing, you guys. And I was seeing this in one of the commentaries. So here we have the master who is God, okay? And then there's the house, his belongings, what he owns. And us in the middle are his servants. We are the, the high-level servant who's in charge to, because again, and those this is important, those servants who are in that high-level position, who are managing the affairs, the household, the estate of their master, are in that position because they are trustworthy because of their faithfulness. See, a lot of people desire that, but they're not willing to pursue the quality to get them there. And that is faithfulness. That takes a lot, a lot of work. And it's not just work ethic, which is you know, quintessential here. But that's a reflection of the core of that person, their character, who they are. They're not, they're not taking advantage of people. You know who is a great example, one of the best of this, clearly in the Old Testament and Genesis chapter 39 is Joseph. If you go back to his story, he's a great example of somebody who held a prominent position. Remember, he was rejected by his brothers. He was a nobody and they were jealous of him and they didn't want to see him succeed. And so they got rid of him. And that would have been the end of it. But he turned to the Lord. God had a plan for Joseph and used him to, to be a servant, a high-level servant in the house of Potiphar. And so as stewards, my friends, we are not the ones who own the house. We are not the ones who decide, you know, what type of orders to give. We follow orders. Because everything belongs to God and comes from Him. He is the one who saves us. He's the one who calls us. He's the one who appoints us to go forth and do the special work that He has designed you and me to do. Are you doing that? Are you being found faithful in what God has called you to do? In the holy calling of a minister of the gospel, you guys, is to be held in high regard. We're not to take that lightly. You know, sometimes, and I, and I can confess before all of you guys right here, right now, that there's been times in 26 years of ministry where, yes, I did it in vain. I did it in my own flesh. I did it for accolades. I did it for attention. God, forgive me for that. That's not being found faithful. I, I was trying to achieve, you know, other things. 
rather than, than, than focus in on what God was truly calling me to do. So a servant here is under rowers. It's referring to the lowest person rowing a ship, okay, hyperatus. And it's not about people, you know, that you're set over to rule, but as one employed for others. So you are tasked to minister and to serve others. And then this word steward is a high level servant in charge of watching over and managing the household. So I want you to stop for a minute, even if you need to pause this and think, am I a servant of Christ? What does that look like in my life? Am am, am I pursuing the the stewardship of God and the mysteries of the Lord? Okay, so let's now understand what these mysteries of God is referring to. Now remember, Paul's main role as an apostle of Jesus Christ was to reveal the hidden truths of God. He was tasked to help the Jews. He was tasked to help the Gentiles to understand the gospel and to write through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit um, the scriptures so that people in the church can have a right relationship with him. If you go back to the letter uh, to the Romans, which is something he wrote later after First and Second Corinthians, Paul explained to them the mystery pertaining to Israel's salvation. So that's one example of what he means by these mysteries of God. This is what he said to the, to the Romans. Least you be wise in your own sight. I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Another mystery that Paul revealed and explained is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52, where if you know your Bible, this is where Paul describes to the Corinthians that there will be a later future event where we will receive our resurrected bodies. He said, behold, I tell you a mystery. There it is. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. So this is an event in the future the Holy Spirit revealed to Paul as he was writing these letters to expand the gospel, but also to teach Christians our doctrinal faith, the tenets of our faith. And one of the things that he explained to the Corinthians as he did to the Thessalonica, the, the people of Thessalonica was eschatological, meaning future events that will unfold. In 1 Peter 4 verse 10, Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. Colossians 1, 25 and 26, I become its servant by the commission of, God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. So you may not be like Paul. I'm certainly not Paul. We know this, but we, just like Paul, are servants of Christ and are stewards to reveal God's truth to whoever the Holy Spirit leads us to converse with. Okay, our job is not to save them. Our job is to be a faithful servant, to use the gifts that we have been given to serve others according to God's grace in various forms. That's what the Bible says in 1 Peter 4, verse 10. Now verse two says, moreover, it is required. So he doesn't just stop there. He says it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. So here Paul emphasizes the faithfulness in stewardship. I love it, the New King James Version, New Spirit-Filled Life Bible, that's a handful right there, says the third illustration pictures ministers as stewards in God's household. 
standing between the householder and the household and charged particularly with the task of feeding the household. A steward was in full charge of a household and was accountable only to the owner who alone could render final decisions. The steward was expected to be faithful in dispensing to the household exactly what had been entrusted to him. In the same way, ministers are to expound nothing more and nothing less than the whole counsel of God. So as servants of Christ, my friends, the apostles, they were faithful in proclaiming and living out the gospel. They were accountable for their actions and they didn't take that lightly and neither should we. And I believe there's a lot of people, quote unquote, who say they're servants of Christ, they're ministers of the gospel, that they're not living uh, lives of fidelity. They're not living lives of faithfulness. Matter of fact, Albert Barnes says this, quote, Paul says that the great thing required here is fidelity and faithfulness, a strict adherence to the trust committed to them. See, a strict adherence to the trust committed to them. You know, a lot of people mean well, but they don't really understand the trust that has been given. And if they blow it, um, it could be a one or done. It could be a one or done. So one day, my friends, as you consider in your life right now, what does it look like to be a servant? What does it look like to be a steward? Each one of us, before our Heavenly Father, we will receive our praise from Him. Just like Jesus said in Matthew 25, remember when He gave that parable when the Master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful faithful with a few things i will put you in charge of many things come and share your master's happiness so to all of my listeners out there who have been called by god to do the work that he's called you to do are you being faithful to all my pastor friends out there who are shepherding flocks or many of my parachurch leaders who are out there are you being found faithful do you realize the trust that has been given to you do you realize how we are to live with fidelity, with faithfulness? And are you doing that? And do you anticipate one day where our Heavenly Father will say, you have been faithful with a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. May that be true for you, my friends. May that be true for the pastors and the leaders who oversee your souls and your family, who care for your family. May that be true of the churches that you and I not just attend, but that we call home, that is our family. And, and may you use this words of encouragement, this words of affirmation to know that if you are serving the Lord and doing the things he's called you to do and you're being a steward, and you're being faithful in that, you will share in your master's happiness one day. So may that be a blessing, you guys. Until next time, keep standing strong in the word, my friends. 